0: podcasts are really fun because a lot of people don't think of them like businesses but they are really like mini businesses when you start them of course if they're like making money and they're if it's like your only income of course it's like your full-time business but a lot of people think that they're just like a hobby when there's a lot of things we have to take a look at main issue we sometimes see is the name of the podcast and trademark concerns
1: listening to the Say Hola Wealth podcast, a show dedicated to help stigmatize the idea of wanting more money, more money, more options for you and your family to become financially free. I am your host, Lucy King, Latina Wealth Coach on a mission to help you create generational wealth through entrepreneurship and stock market investing. In 2019, I left my dream job that looked amazing on paper because I was severely underpaid and overworked. Through that process of reinventing myself, I put myself back in school and I learned about investing and wealth building by accident. I was also denied access to financial advice because I didn't have $100,000 to start investing. I was looking for a Latina wealth coach who was talking about money through a holistic lens. Someone who I could relate to and I couldn't find her. So on this show, I'm going to teach you the strategies, the mindset, and everything I'm doing to be on track to make work optional by 45. If you are looking for a show that is talking about money and cultura, you have come to the right show. Hello, Taylor. Welcome back to the Say Hola Well podcast. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for making time for the busy mujeres that are listening to the show today. We're going to dive into legal things for your business 101, but I love chisme and I love asking my guests questions as it relates to money because we are on a mission to decolonize wealth for Latina. So I want to ask you, how did you grow up and what was your relationship to money?
0: Yeah, I have my relationship to money. Good question. I was raised in Los Angeles in the South Bay area. So a pretty nice area with friends and and neighbors that were pretty, pretty good area. But my dad worked like all the time. Didn't see him for a majority of my childhood. My mom worked part time. So I saw a really good example of what working hard could get you. But I also saw what it would be like to potentially have somebody like a mom there with you more involved. So I really watched that growing up and wanted to integrate that into my own work and practice and potentially becoming a mom one day. But I just remember my mom always telling me like, don't get in credit card debt. That's the worst thing ever. So that's the number one takeaway I got from her. So that was something learning how to even be comfortable, like opening lines of credit because I just was really scared to, but it's something that you really have to do. So I think learning through watching my parents were the skills I took away, but it's a, uh, it's It's hard and it's money is a really touchy topic for a lot of people. And it's hard to get people to open up about those things too.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to come back to what you just said. I just had to learn to be comfortable opening lines of credit because I am not the typical wealth coach that teaches people how to cut expenses. In fact, I do advise my clients on leveraging debt with intention. We're not just going to go opening credit cards and go buy random things. We're going to use some money to help us get ahead. So thank you so much for sharing that. Now, you're a lawyer now, right? Like I, I see you as this amazing mujer. Chingona, who's just breaking so many glass ceilings, in my opinion. And I want to ask you, why did you start it in the field that you have? What made you decide, okay, I'm going to become a Latina lawyer?
0: Yeah, I've always knew I wanted to be a lawyer. And then I went to school on the East Coast. I went to pretty good school where everybody is just like going to grad school and going off and doing more stuff. So I fortunately was in an environment where that was just expected of everyone. So that also gave me a push to, okay, well, what do I want to do after college? And being a lawyer was something I was always interested in. I'm also a really good writer, really good persuasive writer. And I had some teachers that highlighted how you don't have to necessarily be like really good up in front of people to be a lawyer. You can also be a really good persuasive writer. So I was I had some good teachers that were supportive of that. But yeah, I, I came back to LA and went to law school. And I'm the first lawyer in my family. So that was a Interesting experience of figuring out like application process, just like how to exist in law school. I think the biggest shock factor was how to. I was living at home at the time that I went to law school, so how to exist with my family while also like studying extremely hard. But yeah, it's been really fun. I I, I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer, but you don't you can't really hone in on what type you want to be until you like get out in practice because it's really hard to decide early. Some people just really know really early. I knew I wanted to be working with contracts. I knew I wanted to do some. like media related. I just never knew it would land me what I'm doing now, which is really cool and really fun.
1: Which is absolutely effing cool because now, (laughs) you know, I have the pleasure of getting to know you and it's just the online space and working with entrepreneurs is just so fascinating to me right now because we all want to build wealth, right? And that looks so different for everyone. For you is growing your business while you're serving Latinas and BIPOC entrepreneurs. And I think that is so amazing. And that's the reason why I wanted you to come to the podcast to talk about the legal side of of online business as it relates to what are the things that we need to have in place? Because there there are more Latinas in BIPOC launching business than ever. And so I feel that sometimes we tend to focus on the things that shine the most. And we don't think about the legalities of the business. So can you walk us through what are the steps that we need to do when we first start opening our business? Yeah.
0: So basic, like general three kind of main things that our industry, like regardless of industry that you're in, I like to look at entity protection. So potentially looking at an LLC or corporation for your business, no matter how big or small the business is. Anytime you're selling anything, like you're running a business and a lot of people think that their side hustle like isn't a business. It is a business because if the IRS can tax you on it, (laughs) you should be taking advantage of it being a business. And then looking at trademark protections and how the branding of your business is going to be affected by if you own the branding and the name and the logos and all of that good stuff. And then also looking at just foundational contracts and making sure that we have basic agreements for the relationships that we have in our business. And then just branching out from those three points. All businesses are different, but those three things, I really like to start with new business owners and like longtime business owners that have maybe just been winging it for a while with legal.
1: I love that. Now I want to ask you, why didn't you mention sole proprietorship as one of the legal entities for a business? Because a lot of people mentioned that, but you didn't. And so I'm just curious to know, why didn't you mention that one?
0: Yeah. sole proprietorship is a, it's our default entity, I guess you can call it, but it's not, it's not a formal legal entity that is protecting us. So anytime you start running a business, you start out as a sole proprietor. So you don't have to do anything to become that. But if you do want to actually protect the liability of the business and you as a person and really separate those things, we have to look at an actual legal entity, like an LLC or corporation to be able to do that.
1: Okay, thank you. That totally makes sense to me because this is how my business, Say All the World, is. It's an LLC, but I also have another business that is already an S corp. And so I just wanted to mention, like, why didn't why is she not telling me? Like, I want to chase me, right? So thank yeah. you for saying that. Now I want to ask you in particularly for Latina coaches because there's so many coaches. We're growing, and I just love that so much because our community needs more Latina coaches. What are some of the legalities or the contracts that they might need to have in place as it relates to the client relationship?
0: Yeah, definitely. Any sort of coaching relationship, we want to have a coaching agreement or coaching contract in place. And that's just to make sure that us and the client fully understand the relationship, that there's no questions on what am I getting? What am I paying? How can I end this relationship? What if I'm not really liking what you're offering? Just making everything really clear up front so that later we're not trying to get, figure out how to get paid because the client's not paying us or like a client's unhappy. Or if you just are, you're working with a client and they're not putting in the work and you don't think you can continue helping them, how do you safely get out of the agreement without breaching something that you had already promised to them. Um, so contracts are just a really great way to, I think people think of them as like scary and things we have to sign and might some sign signing my life away, but they're actually a really good chance to communicate what you're expecting, what you're bringing to the table so that if you're working with somebody and they read that and they're like, whoa, I'm not interested. You know that before you've already entered that relationship and three, six months down the line, you have a dispute or something that goes wrong.
1: I love that. And I I do want to say that when I launched my business, I was like contracts, what? And now I love having all of the legal side of my business, not only the protection and the separation between the business and my personal, but also having the clarity with the clients on this is when we start coaching. This is when we end. This is what happens in between. This is what happens after. And I do want you to plug in your legal mega library and tell us what are the things that you offer specifically for people that are doing online business, online coaching and things like that.
0: Yeah. Thanks for letting me plug. We have a, I have a law firm, but then I also started a educational platform, that is filled with templates and resources for business owners. And I started it because I realized and I did talk to a ton of clients that were not ready to be able to pay for full-blown legal services, but they still needed something in the meantime. So having a template in place is much better than having nothing. Obviously, we're going to prefer to have something like custom drafted for you, but having some sort of template in place is much better. And we have drafted, I've drafted all those templates. So you know that they're attorney drafted. We review them, we update, them as laws and regulations change, because those things do change, unfortunately. But yeah, we have a ton of templates and other resources for business owners owners over in the library.
1: Thank you for that. And I wanted you to say that because yes, I've heard some Latina coaches saying, I know that I need to be legally protected, but I don't have the funds right now to hire someone who can help me. So mujer if you are ready to create audacious money moves before the year ends i would love for you to join the waitlist for the next round of the say hola wealth academy in this coaching container i am going to teach you how to decolonize your money mindset and learn all things well building investing and income increase you are going to be fully supported by me and also be in a community where mujeres want to see you thrive si estas Lista, join the waitlist today using the link in the show notes. Let's build wealth juntas. Now, let's get back to the show. Are you comfortable telling us, like, what is the average investment to work with you, just so people kind of have that on the back of their mind should they need to invest and work with you?
0: Yeah. And we also, I try to be really upfront with pricing. So we include a specific ballpark pricing on our website so that people know what they're going to be paying for. I, same thing with a contract, I want people to know what we charge so that they're not coming to us. Either assuming we're going to charge them like $100 or like $5,000. I want them to be able to budget for that. Most contract drafting, review, actually drafting is a little bit more expensive than just reviewing. But drafting, we typically fall somewhere between seven ninety five dollars to nine ninety five dollars to custom draft something depending on the type of contract. So like a standard coaching agreement, services agreement, we are routinely doing those. And the amount of work is a little bit less than let's say like a whole partnership agreement where we're doing a lot more work. That's probably going to be a lot more expensive. But our templates in the library are usually around like two ninety seven, dollars So it is a much cheaper price. You're not getting it customized, but if that is what your business can afford at the time, it's much better than either not having anything or piecing something together or using something from a friend that like you don't know where they got it it's just much easier to know that something's been attorney drafted and i have a ton of other attorney friends that also have similar shops that's what i would suggest is seeking out attorney drafted templates if you're looking for a template
1: you just said something that i was like oh my god i'm like drooling right now because you said it's better to get a template from a professional than borrowing somebody or borrowing your friend's contract. Oh, that was so powerful. And I've seen it done, by the way. In fact, I was previously coached by someone who said, just copy my contract. And I was like, no, thank you. (laughs) No, but I feel like I'm I'm gonna go make my, not make my own, but actually hire someone. What is the danger of actually doing that specifically? Like just copying or borrowing somebody else's coaching contract, for example.
0: Yeah, you don't know where it came from. So, unless they remember like where they got it, also contracts can really differ based on different states. So, if you have a contract drafted by somebody in Minnesota and you're operating in California, like our rules are so much different. And you also, that person could have pieced things together. There's so many times I see people that want me to review their contracts and they're like, oh, I got it from a friend, but I want you to customize it, which is great. But as I'm reading it, the contract doesn't even protect or help the person they got it from, which I'm like, whoa, I can't tell them that, but that's a bummer because they don't really know what they're reading. So unless you're very well-versed in contract language and can tell what it says, I think it's best to have somebody who can help you read through it and explain it to you. And that's something we also do when we do custom contracts. We want to make sure that you understand it so that when you're sending it out to a client, sending it out to a partnership, you can explain it and feel comfortable and know what's in it. Instead of being like, I don't know. I'm just asking you to say this.
1: Thank you for clarifying that because I know it is happening in our community. And a lot of it is just the fact that we don't know, right? Just like finances, we don't know. We only know what we know. And we're used to like here, copy it, or do things. And that is a habit that, that we need to break to legally protect our wealth. And I want to ask you another question because... There has been an amazing abundance of new Latina podcasters, which I love. But what are some of the legalities that we perhaps need to be aware as it relates to launching a podcast, presenting a podcast, displaying a podcast and all of the content that we create?
0: Yeah. Podcasts are really fun because a lot of people don't think of them like businesses, but they are really like mini businesses when you start them. Of course, if they're like making money and they're if it's like your only income, of course, it's like your full-time business. But a lot of people think that they're just like a hobby when there's a lot of things we have to take a look at. Main issue we sometimes see is the name of the podcast and trademark concerns, because a lot of podcasters will look at and just search through all the podcast names when they pick a name and they're like, all right, nobody has my name. I'm good to go. Or I changed my name a little bit from this other podcast and I think it's fine. But in reality, when we're looking at naming something, we're not just comparing your podcast name to other podcasts. We're comparing it to all kind of digital media. So there's a whole other section of things we have to look at because if somebody, for example, has a YouTube channel with the same name as your podcast, that could be an issue down the line. If you want to actually register your podcast name. And we've seen that happen, unfortunately. So I think the starting a podcast is like as much work as you guys are putting into it, which is a ton of work. Like we have to treat it like the little business that it is and protect the trademark, even maybe looking at forming an entity for the podcast itself, because maybe it's making money now, maybe it's making money later, but that's a potential risk down the line, especially if we have like advertisers, there's a ton of Things that could come into play, but podcasts are really fun because they're like a little mini business package.
1: Yes. And we need to monetize that as well. So mm-hmm. you're giving us so many gems. I'm like, I don't know if I take notes or if I just pay attention, but it's just so good. Now, Taylor, I want to ask you something that I'm very big on normalizing multiple income streams yes. because Latinas have been raised to, we only have one paycheck. We have to work hard. And I want to ask you, because I am also very chismosa. <laughs> How many income streams do you have?
0: Good question. I think I counted these like a year ago when I was thinking about writing a book, which I'm still thinking about, but very backlogged on that. I'd say like law firm, library... I have like your, just your standard, like investments. It's not a ton of money, but some money in those. And then passive, I guess passive, like investments, not a ton, but I try to invest as many places that I can just because if we can have things passively accumulating for us, like that's amazing. And being able to take any amount from the business that we're making and investing it to helping a future goal yeah
1: Um, absolutely because investing helps you reduce your taxable income which is something that i feel that we also need to decolonize because we're like oh my gosh más dinero more taxes and it's no that is not how this works and i do want to say that you also forgot to mention that you earn money as a speaker am i correct or are you doing free work
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that counts.
1: (laughs) Mujeres, I I wanted to put Taylor on the spot for her to share how many income streams she has, because this is how we're going to build wealth. Just having a single source of income is not only unsafe, but also it's not going to help you build generational wealth. So we need to normalize multiple income streams. Now, before I let you go, what is your definition of wealth and where can people find you?
0: Oh, my definition of wealth. I guess now it used to not be a very healthy definition, but now I'd say it's being able to make enough money that allows you to like do things that you want to do and rest and not feel like you have to overwork yourself. So like passive income feeds into that, which allows you to make money and not be really doing anything is the goal. But I guess, yeah, that's my definition of wealth is like being able to take time off and relax and enjoy yourself.
1: I love that. I'm all about building wealth the lazy way, which includes passive income. Now tell us where can people find you?
0: Yeah, I'm always on Instagram. So my handle is at LegalMiga and my website's tteamandlaw.com. We have a lot of helpful resources there, a lot of helpful resources in the library as well. Our Instagram has a ton of content, free content. But yeah, we try to make the information as available as possible.
1: Thank you so much for coming to the podcast and let's keep building wealth juntas.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: If you are looking for additional resources to help you start your wealth building journey or online business, make sure you check out our blog at sayholawealth blog. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong, and stay inspired. On the Say Hola Well podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general informational purposes only, and it does not constitute legal, accounting, tax, or other legal advice. Listeners should not act upon the content information without seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professionals. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liabilities with respect to such information, including, but not limited to any, liabilities for errors, inaccuracy, omission, misleading, or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.